Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Hello, friends. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations. We're back with a, an episode here, uh, actually a second conversation with Tiffany Dahlman and Sherelle Russell. Uh, in this episode, uh, we talk a little more about women in ministry as a topic than just talking to two women in ministry. Uh, one of the things that uh, that really came out and really kind of brought this topic to the table as we uh, prepped for this was how often when we talk about that topic, there are certain passages we go to. And one of the things that I've been learning from other people teaching me, but also that really stood out in this conversation was that we don't need to go to those those same passages all the time. That there's a, a whole wide world of scripture out there with stories that shape what ministry looks like, who's called to speak, and how that speaking happens. And uh, this conversation hopefully opens you up to that kind of, of thinking, um, moving from, I think uh, Tiffany says this, moving from pattern to story. And that can be discombobulating, but it can be very, very enriching. Jeremy, what stood out to you in, uh, in that conversation? Yeah, I just appreciated them sharing and the authenticity that they that they shared with. It's it's different, I think, when you know, in my experience, we we might have studied women's role in the church. But it's something else altogether different to hear women who are active in, in what I guess what we would call professional ministry, for lack of a better phrase share their stories and they're not sharing their stories about what they've had to overcome per se, but they're sharing their stories of how they're helping to actively shape and form a community that's present and receptive and reactive to the spirits leading in their midst. And I, although they were sharing in, in a lot of cases, scriptures and stories from the Bible that they found life-giving, I found their stories themselves to be life-giving and hopeful and something that I hope generates a lot of thinking about uh, or a lot of thinking in our in, uh, amongst our listeners as they think about uh, not not just the concept of women in ministry but the the theology that that's shared through story in this conversation it's really good and I think our listeners will will get a lot out of it. And so let's go ahead and get into that conversation. Welcome back, friends, to Discipleship Conversations. We are here again with another conversation with Tiffany Dahlman and Sherelle Russell. Uh, and today we want to talk about uh, women in ministry, but we want to talk about it differently, maybe than you talk about it in your church Uh one of the things that we do when we approach this topic is we find ourselves back into the same passages, trying to squeeze out different juice out of them, and we end up having the same arguments. And so the thing that's prompted this conversation is just a, kind of a pre-conversation with both Tiffany and Sherelle and saying, 
in my terms, we need to open up our Bible a lot wider than we have and find uh, find other passages uh, that speak life into uh, this topic. And two women in ministry right here, perfect people to talk about what passages that they go to that where they find life, where they find direction for their own lives, not just women in ministry, them in ministry. So Sherelle and Tiffany, hello, welcome. Hello. Hello. So I, we often, a long time ago when we were talking, when I was talking with Jeremy about this, is that it's not just about women in ministry, it's, it's people in ministry and particularly you two in ministry. And so while we may have this general topic of women in ministry, I don't want to just leave it just at that, but what is, I would like for it to be, you just speak kind of specifically about your own life. And one of the things that we were talking about was, um, that kind of got us into this was Sherelle, you're a project that you're working on for your D men and how you scrapped a lot of work because you found yourself in this Valley of, of yuck, dry bones, dry bones. <laughs> and you were looking for a breath to take, bring new life and you're finding it in different places. And so maybe, maybe we can reconstruct a little bit about how, how we got here and what you scrapped and where you're going with that project. Sure. So I'm for my doctorate of ministry project. I am writing about what it has been like for the folks at our church to have a female pastor for the last four years. Um, none of us have had a female pastor before. And so I just wanted to learn what it's been like for them. And in my project, I have been trying to do the theological framework aspect of it and getting into some of those clobber verses that I've, you know, heard my whole life about um, why I should not be allowed to do the thing that I'm doing. And it was not life-giving for me at all. I was not enjoying sitting and writing. And so I just scrapped all of that and I'm starting over. And finding life in writing about Huldah, um, a, a prophetess and in the Old Testament, and writing about Mary Magdalene, um, and, and particularly in John, but women who God used to carry the story forward in really vulnerable moments in the people of God's story. And yeah, that's just been a lot more life-giving for me, and it, it really dovetails really well with what it's been like in this vulnerable time in our own in our own time with Christianity in sort of this I don't know if you want to call it a crisis it certainly seems like it if you look at the the data um, but what if God is using and can use female vessels once again to help carry the story forward during this this vulnerable time so what uh I mean, we just share what is one formative story for you, Sherelle, that just that kind of helps uh, guide what you're doing in ministry and your own call in ministry. I, I really do love the story of Mary Magdalene and just her. Her experience of 
um, Jesus coming into her life and changing her life. And then that is very much um, like my experience, although I didn't have seven demons, at least I don't think, um, you know, Jesus came into my life and I just knew that I wanted to learn to follow and to talk about Jesus and uh, to be part of a community where we were learning to be like Jesus. And then all of these, the ways that she was there in these key moments, um, the cross, and then particularly in the resurrection event that she was there to be a witness to the resurrection, which was a very vulnerable point in the story. Um, and because of her witness, and she wouldn't have even been con considered a, a good witness at the time because she was female in court, but God used her as a witness to, to the resurrection to keep the story going. And so that's always been a story that I really uh, felt attached to and has get that has given me life that's great mm -hmm. tiffany you, you were the one that used the phrase that caught my attention as we were kind of landed into this topic uh, as as a part of our conversation or forward this conversation and that is passages that give us life and you at that time we were just talking about women in ministry so passages that a passage or passages that give you life as a woman in ministry but just maybe even more so you as an individual uh, in your call. Mm -hmm. It's almost hard to narrow down. I know in college when my soul really opened up to the possibility uh, of ministry, thanks to then the chair of the Bible department at Little York, now university in Nebraska, uh, he just took me under his wing, Dr. Frank Wheeler, and opened up John really to me. And, and there, Mary Magdalene. I mean, that, that John 20 story as the fulfillment of John 10 with the good shepherd. And, you know, there's this description of the, the sheep will know my voice and I will call the sheep by name in John 10. And then you get to John 20 and she doesn't see him and she doesn't know him until Jesus says what Mary. And I think every woman in that room heard their name, you know, Sherelle, mm -hmm. Tiffany, I'm calling you by name go tell the brothers, right? I mean, that, that, that's the only commissioning you need, you know, I don't, Paul's Paul, you got to wrestle with those verses, but Jesus said her name and said, go tell the brothers, end of story, you know, and that, that, that was enough. That was enough. Um, other times in my life, it was Mary, Jesus's mother. If a woman can raise up God, surely I can talk about him, right? It just doesn't, all the other passages, just lose their their heaviness when you think of a woman helping God make friends. And did did she put God in time out? She taught God to eat his vegetables. Like if there's authority to do that, surely I can talk about him. You know, it's just different different verses. Holda Holda's meant a lot to me um, as one who's whose husband is not also called into ministry in the same way. And Sherelle's husband. Um, participates in church with her is he on your leadership board as well he's a shepherd and a tech person yeah which is fantastic of the wardrobe <laughs> which, right in my he's not my husband is not a keeper of the wardrobe but holda's husband was keeper of the wardrobe he wasn't called with her and, and to me that has always given me life that 
it doesn't have to be the husband wife team. You know, you hear that a lot. It's okay. As long as your husband's doing it too, like a Priscilla Aquila scenario, but that's not how it is for Holda. And, um, I really appreciate that. Mark 14 is the biggest one though. And I'll, I'll keep talking amongst yourselves. I'll think about how I want to talk about Mark 14 in a minute, but that's the one that the past decade or so is just really everything to me. I've been really, and again, going back to Romans, I talked about it in the previous episode, but um, when we did that series where we started studying Romans from the back end and had all those women in it, and then you learn, you see what a diverse group of people filled that house church. There were um, Gentiles, Jewish, there uh, were enslaved people, free people, weak, strong, um, McKnight says. But thinking about Paul having be a female, Phoebe, read the, the letter into those house churches, it's such a powerful vision for me to imagine her sitting in front of this super diverse new church trying to learn to be together without quarreling or eat together without quarreling and to hear her say to that group uh, through Christ we all find redemption and grace it's just such a powerful vision um, that that happened and yet in so many places uh, we won't even give women permission to read a scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what would you say is, is there a hesitancy or a resistance to going to these passages? For? To, to, to talk about women in ministry as, you know, is, is there why are we pulled more to, as you described them, Sherelle, the clobber verses, these, what I usually land on is calling them the prohibitive verses, because they're the ones that say no, mm-hmm. is why do we keep going there? And what's, what's holding us back from really exploring these other stories in the Bible? I feel like we are, I, I think we're, by and large often still really constrained by um do that we have to do everything right and the letter of the law i don't think that many um of our faith community i i see it more and more that it's changing and i'm really grateful for that uh but i think that we haven't really leaned into our liberation and our freedom that we have and I hope that we will do that more as we look out on the landscape and see where things are right now mm-hmm. and and look at all this data and statistics coming in about the decline of the church. Um, I think that liberation and freedom has a huge role to play in that for the church and in releasing all of us to partner together and partner with God in in the flourishing of all people and all of us, all of the parts of the body functioning together are, are needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were talking with Jeremy about Canada and the state of the church before we came on and what what's going to prevent us from, from Christianity, from becoming that 
marginalized or hostile toward it isn't going to be following a pattern, but following a story. And we like to follow the pattern and those texts of terror or the prohibitive verses, whatever we, we call them there, they fall into that traditional pattern content. You know, what did they do then? What did the the church do? And you'll hear that if, if Shrell and I were in a conversation with um, some churches about women in ministry, and we were to offer up any of those stories from Hulda to Mary Magdalene and say, well, that's not the church. That's not in church. It only matters what's in the church. Uh, looking for that pattern to do worship right in a church. And I just, I, I, thankfully, I, th- that type of questioning, that perspective is becoming less and less common. Um, maybe it's a reality check that we're experiencing. We look at the landscape and say, we, we can't even afford to entertain those ideas anymore. We, we got to live the story and offer people the story. And there are, it's a story of freedom and inclusion. And, mutuality. I like what you're both saying there. It sounds like we're talking about changing the values that we use to approach what we're about as a church away from law, doing it right, proof texting, the supposed pattern out of the Bible and celebrating freedom. uh, Some of these other values that we've talked about what are what are some ways that people can help others begin to make that shift away from looking at different texts in terms of we have to establish a, a framework out of the Bible for letting women do more things rather than saying let's let's lead with freedom and the spirit and see what develops. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you have the answer to that. Helpful. I, I, I've done a, a class a, a time or two where I have this visual of a house, like bricks of a house. And, you know, I, it, this house is our theology of gender inclusion, women in ministry, whatever we want to call quote the issue. And there's a couple bricks there. Those, what did you call them? Sure, I'm calling them texts of terror, but those clobber verses, right? The, the two clobber verses that here's our two bricks. And then the rest of this house is empty. And you have a pile of bricks on the side of just rubble that aren't used to build this house at all. And so I say, okay, let's take these two bricks out. We're not throwing them away. We're just setting them to the side. And let's take all these bricks in the rubble that are positive of what women are doing from beginning to end, including Paul, like Phoebe and the other nearly, it's over a third, almost half of the people listed in, in Romans 16 are women. Um, Philip's preaching daughters, you know, all of them. Let, let's put all these bricks in there and you get almost a full house. That's a very different image of what women are doing. And then take those two bricks, the first Timothy and first Corinthians and, and put them in there. We're not, we don't want to throw anything out. I, I think that that's where it's often misunderstood. Oh, you're throwing out the Bible. Well, no, I, I'll take those two bricks, but I don't want to throw out the other 50 that are off to the side that are never considered. And then you put those other two in and you get a full, solid, functioning, standing house. And that visual tends to help people. Mm. Um, but it's a it's a shift of, but the church, but it's not in the church. That, that way of thinking um, is very deeply ingrained. See, that that way of looking at it, as soon as you said that the first time, I thought like we have such a misunderstanding of what the church is 
because that statement betrays the idea that we're looking at the structure and the organization, i.e. the gathering and what, mm-hmm. what can happen at the gathering. And it, it discounts the way of life that the Christians are supposed to be about. And that community and that way of life is the church. And I, I, I don't, I have no idea how to help people uh, think past that. Every church that I've served, except for the one that I'm trying to plant right now, has has been uh we know what the bible says and it's just it's people that want to make the bible mean what they want it to mean that are trying to you know push for i'm I'm using their language they're that are pushing for women to do more things and i would ask questions like so it's okay for my wife to pass me the communion tray if she's sitting in the pew next to me but not if she's standing on the outside of the pew. Suddenly that becomes a leadership thing. And there's obviously not a good answer. Uh, or I, like I would, I, I asked different elderships about uh, in first Corinthians 11, it's pretty obvious that, that Paul's presupposing that women are praying and prophesying when the church is gathered. And then he has some instructions about, what should happen with that. And, and I was told that part wasn't in the church. It was private in that home. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of chuckling as I say that, but I, I, I feel like I, I don't mean to be laughing about that. Like it's not a serious issue. It, it just, I, in talking with the both of you, I'm really, I'm really beginning to see like the mountain that has to be climbed just for the two of you to be able to exercise gifts that God has given to you. And I, I'm tr- I, I, I want to express my, my sympathy in that, that I, 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 I'm hearing what you're saying and, and listening intently and, and appreciating everything that the both of you are sharing. I think that even what you're doing, having this podcast and and giving opportunity for us to uh, be on here and to share is is a good and important step. And then within churches, any any opportunity that we have where we can give people the opportunity to tell story um, and ask questions about the people who had a spiritual or impact on your life who've helped you in your discipleship walk you are going to hear about about sisters and siblings that are female and so I think just you have to think very we have to think very intentionally about what spaces we have where we can open it up and expand uh, the people in our view that the spirit is using both from our lives and also from from the word, from scripture, um, and give people the chance to tell to tell stories because you will hear um, about about women and any spiritual practices that we can add to our gatherings where we get to hear from one another. I think are really helpful in terms of of people getting to see the spirit working amongst the body um, mm-hmm. and not just one body or one body part, but all of the parts of the body. Yeah, I did. I did grow up with the. Well, that doesn't happen in church. I didn't grow up with that kind of response. Um, I had a different 
kind of raising in churches of Christ that, you know, in some aspects was traditional and some aspects very non-traditional, but uh, so I don't have a lot of the, the insight or, you know, carry some of the baggage or carry even a knowledge, a back knowledge of, of, of how people got to where they got. Um, and so I think about this, which what's sticking out as you say, this is like, people are, are creating a setting where things can happen or maybe partitioning the Bible in by its setting of where this happened. And it's that they're, they're just set. They're just partitioning it around what happened in whatever they call the church. Not that this happened in a field or this happened in a, a battle zone or this happened on the, on the, the sea or something like that. They're just partitioning it off at this one little place. And that just strikes me as really strange way to, something strange to do with the Bible rather than, uh, and I, that's just, it strikes me as strange. And I think one of the things that's helped me is, is the story brick, you know, idea is that there's, there's story, but I'd never really thought about this other partitioning thing. It's just odd how we mark off mm-hmm. these things with this idea in the Bible and say, this happens here. And then everything else is just kind of free for all, I guess. I don't know but it can't apply here except well, if, if you, I wanted to. If you find it weird, imagine how weird the world hears it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's part of institutionalization mm. and, and moving away from that is really scary and difficult because it's like, what do we, I mean, you're sort of ta- decentralizing a lot and you're taking away s- control and it's really scary to do that. I think uh, our natural inclination as people is to control mm-hmm. and um, keep things in as narrow a parameter as we can, especially uh, faith, because it's more comfortable and it's more familiar. Um, and so basically a lot of what has to happen is deinstitutionalization hard to say that word especially um quickly <laughs> but getting away from that is really difficult and i was really hoping that with covid and everything that happened that that we would take more advantage of that chance to 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 make those shifts and i'm not sure if we did largely in in the us what do y'all think yeah, I think a lot of churches used a, a greater diversity of voice, female included, on Zoom screens and digital spaces. But then when they went back into the building, the quote church proper, it went back to those, you know, the, the same structures as before, the same voices as before. And yeah, I, but not not in all cases. There there were some changes, but not as many. And there were a lot of other factors at play going on in our culture, I think, too, that have reignited this biblical manhood, womanhood stuff that's been going on. And I think we have some pendulum swinging going on that really isn't about theology. And I wish we'd just be honest about that. It, it's not about the narrative of God. It's not about theology. It's about politics and it's about culture. It's about a lot of other things than the story of God. Our, our experience has been um, uh, something a little bit different. So 
I would say we went back to to something, uh, put something back in the box that we took out during COVID. Uh, we went, our church went from having two services, an instrumental service and an acapella service. The instrumental service had a higher participation of women in it. And late 2019, we brought them together because we wanted, both of them were really small. We have a large meeting space and we brought them together so we could have everybody together. We found that that was going to be the priority for us as community, whole community. And, you know, that had its tensions for a few months and then COVID shut things down and we went to video where we continued. There was instrumental songs there were acapella songs and we used different people to do by to do the intros for the welcome and bible reading and and things like that uh covid we were shut down till june and, and people were most people were so excited to be back together it didn't really matter mm-hmm. what the the tension that was there before we went in wasn't completely gone but for the most part it was like we're just glad to be together and that was helpful that longing to be back together helped us settle into a rhythm where we were able to continue those some of those practices um and 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 for you know to make them uh, to kind of instill them a little bit more into what we did and so that was a positive. So yeah our experience was a little bit different but I think I think I have heard that as well that people have kind of just uh, reverted back what you you could do something on the screen that you can't do in the building and i go there's another way of partitioning things uh and so i don't know it's that's just strange what we do we're you know humans are are strange beings right we have weird uh idiosyncrasies about things that don't make sense and and we do this as a community that doesn't make sense and we like in and out right and wrong Who's in? Who's out? Who's evil? Who's righteous? We we people of all people. We've it gives comfort. You know where you stand, and when that shifts to a story, well, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's in? Who's out? Like, well, it's really now, not yet, and it's both and, and it and that just makes people feel uncomfortable. But that's where the life is. I think if for, for me, there's kind of three chapters, I guess, of this story, the beginning, Genesis 1. We didn't talk about that one. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, this God's initial dream of this mutuality of a man and a woman alongside of each other, ruling together as priests in this temple text is, you know, what Genesis 1 is, this temple text, but over creation, ruling together side by side, everything falls apart. And then you come to Mark 14. And the reason I love that one is here's that's the version where the woman anoints Jesus's head, not his feet, which of course is what a priest does. So here is this reinitiation of Genesis one again, and it's a woman serving as the priest anointing and is commissioned and people get really angry about it, right? And they, they get upset and Jesus turns around and yells at him. And I think every woman Sherell can say what Jesus said. He turned around and he said, what? leave her alone. (laughs) Yeah. Leave her alone. And what she's doing is going to be said forever. Whenever the story, whenever the gospel is told and that that's okay. Now we're back at Genesis one, like the new has broken in. We are co-laborers 
I think there's a fear of matriarchy, usurping patriarchy. Like that's not what we're talking about. This is a mutuality, Genesis one, male and female priests. And then eschatologically, surely people don't imagine these roles in heaven. You know, when all is said and done, surely we don't see only men can be elders and only men can be preachers and women can't pass communion trays or, you know, as if even that, do they imagine church even then? I don't know what people are imagining, but surely that hierarchy doesn't exist there. So if it's not in the ultimate perfection of all things, it shouldn't be in the breaking in of the perfect of the new creation now. So with those three hinge points, it's just how you get to a point in, in ministry and, and surrender to your calling, you're like, why are we stuck on this one verse when the story is there? You know, it makes perfect sense, but people get stuck. Sherelle, I love the visual amen that you gave in the middle of, <laughs> of the amen. little yep. <laughs> mini sermon there that Tiffany was delivering. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it was, I, I think that's really good. I, I know I wouldn't have been able to identify it as in Mark, but I, I know intellectually, I know there's one of the stories where she anoints the head and not the feet, but I conflate them so much mm-hmm. that it's usually the feet that, that, that image brings out. And so drawing that out in this moment right here, Tiffany is really helpful. And to bring that together with what you did with Genesis one, which is, you know, that just reading Genesis one that way is, not brand new to me, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, I didn't, that wasn't on the flannel graph back when I was growing <laughs> up. So uh, I think putting those two things together is really good. Uh, and probably what makes you a good preacher as well. So uh, thanks for doing that with the text. Uh, I just, the story is, there's just so much to dive into with the story. And I think with the prohibitive text, we just like, we like to be told, this is how you do it. And that somehow takes priority over the ambiguity, the mystery, the uh, whatever you want to call it, the blobbiness of a story mm-hmm. that uh, that helps us in different ways. We just haven't part of it is teaching the right tools, training people on the right tools to sit in a story and to think through the story rather than sit and listening for what you're being told to do rather than learn how to think, discern, interpret, uh, for the moment, for another moment, you know, it's, it's different skills that maybe to, to tie in from the previous episode, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go and listen to that because there's some tie-ins here between the two is, some of the informal or non-formal setting or activities that you have described in our previous episode help uh, bring the space to then explore the story and ways of doing things differently. It, it opens that up a little bit, mm-hmm. I think, uh, is something. When we keep something so formal and tight in nice, neat rows, pun intended, uh, there is a, a, a rigidness. Mm-hmm. And when we're able to be community, we lose that rigidness and be able to explore things, discover things, see people differently. 
Yeah. And in that space, it Jesus has to be enough. The assurance of our salvation in the good news of Christ has to be enough of right and wrong. We, we can't be finding that assurance in the way we do it, in the pattern, in yeah. the times. And uh, it's so much freer, Shirley, to my freedom. That's so much freer. And there's so much more peace in that and liberation in that and goodness in that. But it does take a shift. All right. Jesus is enough. That's a, a good way to to bring this to a close. I think a way of maybe meditating on, uh, leave it with the listeners, uh, where, kind of a coaching question here, where in your life is Jesus not enough? And uh, what might bring the enoughness back into that space? Uh, Tiffany and Sherelle, thank you again for joining us. Uh, just uh, we didn't do this at the top of the episode just to remind people Tiffany you're in North Carolina at Courtyard and uh, Sherelle you're in uh, Fairview which is north north of Dallas very north east of the Metroplex in Texas uh, at New Heritage Fellowship Uh, thank you for individually being on in past episodes and this uh, conversation together has been just beautiful so thanks for showing up thanks for having us on Yeah, it was fun to get to be on here with you, Tiffany. Yes, we should do this more often. Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.